What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Dipped in Tone. I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. I'm in the void. You are. Yeah. You have thrown all your gear out the window and painted your spare bedroom black and hung yeah. one light bulb above your head. Just a singular green light bulb. I actually should have fixed that before we started filming. But anyways, uh, yeah, we're down in currently I'm down in my temporarily finished live room. We've been busting our asses on the studio down here. It's not done, but mm -hmm. we got it uh, up and running and have been recording some cool stuff down here. And I needed to set up down here because we're doing some stuff upstairs. So it's a whole thing. So I'm in the void today. It's great. I like it. I'm I'm still in my same real live. So splatty in here. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, dude, it's been great actually filming down here. Like the space is not even finished, but it sounds really good and it looks really good. And um, yeah, we've been doing some really cool stuff down here that I'm excited to share. So uh, anyways, what's new? Well, uh, let's see. What is new? We, we dropped the strap pickup set, yep. which all but one... Uh, I think sold. It'll probably be sold by the time this is up, but th that was really, that did really well. And then I released a bunch of little accessories. I did the, um, selectable tone cap. Yep. Which is, I, I think one of the coolest little random pieces of gear that I've made. Um, and then we did a strata blaster kit to go with a little variable treble bleed, but the tone cap thing, uh, I need to send you one because basically yeah. it's a bank of a couple switches, five switches, and you can pick between five different cap values or none. So you can bypass your tone knob. Or you can go from like a really teeny value up to like a normal value, and then you can go any combination in between. So you can give your guitar tone knob like almost like a mid-range. It's like a veritone, oh, only you still yeah. have a tone knob to like balance it with the you know the unaffected signal. So it's really Dude, fun. that's cool. Yeah, it's really neat. But apart from that, just you know surviving, building a bunch of pedals. We got a lot of stuff coming out. So yeah, it's gonna be cool. we got we got something coming out. Uh, yeah, you already you already posted a little sneaky peeky. I did. did. I got your permission first. People were like, "Oh, oh, is Myth was Mythos okay with that?" Did Jack Red like, did it again? Yeah, it's like I, I, yeah, he was okay. We we talked. So, um, yeah, man. Well, I am a uh, little housekeeping. As of today, I am in Europe for a few weeks, playing right. um, a short run of shows with with uh, my friend Roofman, aka Tice. We're doing the album release tour uh, right now. So I'm going to be playing in Hamburg, two shows in the Netherlands, and one show in London over the next couple of weeks. So after today's episode, I'm going to be out for, what, the next two episodes, right? One mm -hmm. episode? Something like that? Ish. We'll figure so, it out. Yeah, I'll figure it out. You'll come back when you come back, if yeah. you come back at all. <laughs> I might not, you know? I love the Netherlands, man. That's one of my favorite places. So I might just stay posted up there and just there you go. wave all this shit goodbye. Do, whenever you're thinking of Roof Man. Yeah. Do you, in the back of your mind, think like Spoon Man, like the melody for Spoon Man? The you know, I, I don't, but now thank you so much. <laughs> You're welcome. I won't be able to separate that at all from now. So this is going to be great. <laughs> I'm going to be sitting on the flight over there just like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, Spoon Man. Um, yeah, man. So. Cool. Well, great. Well, we, before uh, we get into too much stuff, we need to thank our patrons on yes. Patreon. Yep. So if you want to join up and be part of the, the Discord community and our community, um, you can go over to patreon.com. There's a link in the description below, and you mm -hmm. can sign up and uh, support the, uh, the podcast. Yep. It uh, helps us keep going over here. Also, we want to thank the sponsor of today's episode, which is Sweetwater. Uh, Sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. We have something really special to announce today, and that is yep. that we're doing a 
big giveaway with Sweetwater. Zach and I put together two full rigs uh, around the $1,500 value, and we're going to give both rigs away. Now, for more details and, and everything that's in the description box down below, the giveaway is U.S. only, mm-hmm. uh, but there's going to be two winners, and you can enter via the link down below. So, Zach, you want to you wanna tell the people what your rig is, and then I will tell them what my vastly superior rig is? Uh, yeah, sure. So <laughs> I chose um, the PRS SE hollow body, which mm-hmm. I think is a killer guitar right out of like the box. Choice. Well, I mean, like, so, like, going with, like, I mean, Sweetwater has everything, but right. I'm like, th- these, are, I think these rigs are kind of like what we would pick. You know? Yeah, yeah. So I would probably pick that. I pr- I picked um, one of those Supro Delta uh, amplifiers because yep. good little tube combo. Yep. The Keeley DNM drive, which okay. is a really versatile drive pedal, and then a flashback delay. If you can't get it done with that, it can't get done. A uh, hard, hard disagree on that. Mm-mm, hard disagree. Uh, right. There's a lot of things that you can't get done with that. And that's like why my ri- – we don't have a fuzz, first of all. You put both those drive pedals all the way up and roll uh, the tone it's back. Not the you got fuzz, it's not the tones. same. It's not the same. Uh, and we're lacking some modulation. So that's why my rig, I went with the Squire Classic Vibe Telecaster because, I mean, come on. You can't beat a Tele. And that Squire Classic one. Vibe series stuff is fantastic. Uh, a Fender Blues Deluxe, another really great sort of do-it-all kind of tube combo. Has a really nice overdrive sound. It's a great clean pedal platform amp. JHS 3 Series Fuzz because you need a fuzz. The Nobles ODR1 which is arguably one of the best overdrive pedal circuits, I mean, ever. Uh, and then, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Boss RE2 Reverb, and then the Behringer Ultra Octaver, so that you can get weird and wacky. You can uh, do some ambient type stuff with the Reverb and the Octaver. You can do crazy octave fuzz synth stuff. You can do just straight ahead, uh, you know, rock stuff, blue stuff. That uh, That rig will get you where you need to go. Okay, well, you know, whatever. But you have the opportunity to win out there, so go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone and check out all the details about this giveaway. Yeah, and thanks to Sweetwater for uh, for letting us do the giveaway and for sponsoring today's episode. Um, we got a really cool guest lined up today. Yes, we do. Yeah. One Mark Latiri, who's in some sort of underground, like, I guess not very well-known bands. Like, some up-and-comers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll get there. Like Snarky Puppy, Fearless Flyers, you know, just to name a few. Um, he's got his own project that actually he's got a few shows coming up um, that we we plug. If you're in the New York and New Jersey area, he's yes, doing two yes, nights yes. in New York City. So we'll have all that stuff linked down below. Um, we had a really cool conversation with Mark. I love the guy. He's he's one of my favorite players, and, and he's a really sweet guy and a, a good hang. So, um, yeah. yeah. Really incredible incredible musician and just uh just a fun guy to talk to yeah so with all that out of the way let's jump in and uh talk to mark latiri mark welcome to the show yeah thanks glad to have you man I, it's been uh when's the last time we saw oh gear fest gear fest we all yeah. hung at gear oh, fest yeah. we yeah. did have a good hang that was fun man we you did. go back this year uh i think so actually yeah cool I think are I'll you going back it. yeah plan on it well yeah man thanks thanks for coming on it's gonna be a good yeah, episode totally, dude Rock and what's roll. um what's what's new what's been happening since gear fest you've been busy so well since gear fest a lot's happened uh i mean yeah i did a couple tours with snarky puppy and with the mark letiri group and a couple shows with the fearless flyers um 
what's what got got coming up big i, I don't know when this is going to air but uh we're my band the mark latieri group's doing a live record at the iridium in a couple weeks in new york city which we're really looking forward to oh man um hell yeah yeah so it just kind of dawned on us like we wanted to record the gigs for a long time and a friend of mine was like why don't you just record the iridium you're gonna be there for two nights and i was like oh yeah Duh. <laughs> wait what what's the date what are the dates on those march 1st and 2nd hey so nice. you guys are in town um so that'll be fun uh and i got a couple more gigs with with that group and then uh snarky's got some stuff coming up in the spring so i'll be bouncing around on and off the road with with the usual suspects uh for the next several months and then trying to fit in a, a record in there somewhere doing another mark latiri album so all so good how, things yeah what what how do you manage all that stuff like you're playing in three four different groups three different groups three with you know stuff on the side sure yeah. right and but you're also writing for your own yeah. stuff. How do you do that, man? Uh, it's it, you just compartmentalize. I think I, okay. I as a writing is a little different for me. I, I'm not really one of those people that you know writes every day kind of thing. But I'll usually kind of set aside chunks where either maybe I'll f sort of force myself to be creative, or I'll go back and visit things that I'd started that I would like to finish. Um, I just, I get this sort of bubbling feeling that's like, I need to be creative right now. Okay. Yeah. Let's set some time to do this. And, and then, you know, the other things that maybe I've scheduled, I either just reschedule or, <laughs> or, uh, you know, just, just think far out in advance that now I kind of have an idea of what I'm doing up until 2024. Okay. So in that regard, I, I'm able to kind of foresee when I want to, um, get those things done, like records and stuff like that. So, but you nice, know, I mean, man. it's, it's a challenge. I mean, every time I go out on tour with Snarky, for example, cause you know, the last time I played with them was back in November. Uh, and then we did a, a thing with the ground up music festival just this past weekend, but I only played six tunes, you know, I, was, I just right. played one set of music. Obviously that catalog is very broad. So when we go out on the road in April, um, um, you know, I'll spend a couple of days just digging back in and kind of relearning stuff and, you know, same goes I, for my band too. <laughs> you know, I, I imagine music, six, I still practice it. Six snarky puppy tunes are probably it. In it's terms an hour of, of music. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a full set for most other bands. I would yeah, imagine. Sometimes it can be. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, man. So cool. When you say you're like, you know, you need to work on something, and you need to like push through, like push out some creativity. Mm -hmm. How does that start for you? Like, how do you just sit down and say, okay, let let's let's go? Like, what is that? Like, talk about that routine. Well, you know, it's, it's actually, it's, it's kind of one of those things because that I know if I actually sit down and force myself to be creative, I will come up with something. Mm -hmm. It's just the, the initial psychological aspect of forcing myself to force myself to come up with something, if that makes sense. Like right. I know mm -hmm. that if I pick up a guitar after this interview or open my MIDI controller or whatever, I will make some piece of music, <laughs> right? <laughs> Whether or not I want to commit to that emotionally and scheduling wise is the thing that I'm always trying to figure out if I want to embark upon. Um, so if I can get that, that's the initial thing where it's like, if I really feel like something needs to have, be creative, I, I, I can bypass that wall mm -hmm. and just sort of start, start composing or, or whatever. Um, and I, I've got probably 15 or 16 songs more or less ready to be finished. 
Uh, and so, so it, it's just a matter of being like, okay, dude, do you want to finish them now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cause it's time to finish them. And I, I, you know, I have, I have a record label that, that I work with that helps kind of kick me in the butt and be like, so when are you going to, you know, <laughs> not that I owe them anything, but it, it's nice to have that sort of friendly relationship of people that remind you to stay uh, a little bit inspired. Um, and so they know that, that that's what, that's one of my plans this year is to finish an album and maybe put out some singles and some videos and things like that. And so, you know, the next time we all get on our little by or monthly zoom call, they'll probably be like, how's it going? Nice. <laughs> right. You know, so it's nice to have people that hold you accountable. It doesn't have to be a record label. You know, that sounds really music businessy, but, um, in my case, yeah, I have some friends that, that are, you know, will hold me accountable for, for making stuff, which yeah. is nice. Ha- having that, the confidence to know that when you sit down, you can come up with something. Um, I think a lot of people would probably struggle with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that's something that, you know, just comes with, I mean, experience and, and uh, habitual practice, mm-hmm. but was it always kind of that way or did, did you find like really find your groove and knowing and trusting yourself that if I sit down, you know, and just go something, there's, there's something good there. Or is it, you know, really taking the small nuggets and expanding upon those ideas or. It's a little bit of both. There's a lot of nugget collection, <laughs> so to speak. Um, my iPhone is full of videos and voice memos and things like that of, you know, four bar phrases of this melody, this group, whatever it is. But, um, yeah. And, and, you know, to, to say that I can sit down and, and write something that's true, whether or not it's good or I like it is sure. a whole other story. You know, I mean, I can, I can, a, a lot of times if I do that, I'll be like, man, you know, I got this new pedal or something like that. Maybe I'll write something based around this pedal. I'll put it on Instagram. And yeah, and that right. takes a couple hours, you know, it's a minute and a half, 60 seconds, whatever it is. It's like this kind of micro composing thing that I'll do to, to engage in social media. Um, however, that can be a little bit detrimental to your actual songwriting chops <laughs> because you sure. stop thinking big picture and you start thinking, um, what's the coolest amount of crap I can put in a tiny video. And then, then you go to write a song and you realize that your song is like sections of 60 minutes of crap that you put in a video and there's like no tune you know what i mean right so that's what i say when i when i'm really sitting down to compose i turn that part of my brain off and like i don't care about that stuff i'm writing a composition this might be five minutes long whatever i don't care about that stuff you know um so yeah it's it's and i will go back to those nuggets on my phone and kind of like find out which ones maybe have deeper meaning than like this is a cool riff for Instagram or something, you know, versus this is a song. And this is actually like really helpful for me because I'm trying to get more into writing stuff for myself outside of, you know, making something for a YouTube video, for example, but like gear demos are fun to do. They're easy. You know, it's fun. You can kind of, you don't really have to think (laughs) (laughs) all that hard, you know, you know, I want to, I want to be able to start, getting more stuff done. So for you, like when you're writing something, at what point do you know whether or not it's an, it's a solid idea worth finishing or it's just not going to work and you should move on? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I'll, I'll try every, every method to, to squeeze the most out of something before I just give it up. Okay. Um, and, 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 but at the same time, I'm not afraid to give it up. And other times, you know, something I will give up 
maybe will manifest itself later on six months down the line in another tune. You know, I end up with a lot of things like, I don't know what to do with this or something. And then, you know, occasionally, Oh, well actually it kind of works with what I'm composing right now. Maybe we can bring these two things together. So, um, you know, we all have our kind of like base level for what we think works for us and what we don't. And, you know, there might be some ideas that I've thrown away that somebody else might think, why didn't you do something that was amazing? You know, and, but if it didn't mean anything to me, it's kind of hard to get, you know, to finish it. (laughs) So do you think it's important to get most ideas at least maybe not fully finished, but to a fully formed state before you move on to them for that reason that like, Oh, okay. So it's not working now, but let me just kind of tie a bow around it and then I can come back to it later. I think so. Yeah. get to the point where you're just like, I think I'm done with this for now. Yeah. And then maybe you're done with it forever and maybe you're going to come back to it. Like, as I was saying before, the tunes that I've pretty much written for this are all in a state of like, I'm done with this for now. I know this is going to be something I'm going to take a break from it, come back and then we'll finish it from then on out. But one of the things that I do try to keep in mind is if possible uh, to associate every musical idea in the tune with something that's not musical, Mm. Um, you know, like, what does this make me feel? What does this make me think of? Who does this make me think of? What situation does this make me think of? Does this remind me of a word a phrase, a joke? Uh, a memory, a location, you know, I, I write about locations a lot. Uh, that's cool. Maybe that's, you know, we, we travel a lot and you kind of like t- different places, put you in a different mindset. What does this feel like in music? You know? Yeah. 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 So if I can do that and it doesn't feel forced, the, the writing kind of becomes a little bit more personal and, and maybe easier uh, in, in a sense, you know, Man, that's cool. I feel like I'm getting a free, Writing clinic here. I thought this we were great, talking about man. pedals. This is fun. Yeah, no, <laughs> we can talk about, we talk about whatever we want. <laughs> okay, man. cool, great. Speaking of, do it. we have a do we have a rig to dip? Sure. Yeah, I've got one. So, Mark, this is a oh, segment boy. that we do here. I've seen so, it. Yeah. So, just to get you up to speed here, we have a a uh, viewer submitted rig, hmm. and uh, there's some guardrails that we've put up on this over the last few years, which is. Um, it has to be a rig that you could take to a gig, a session, a show, okay. whatever. Without a cartridge company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because sometimes people would just send us pictures of all their stuff and it was overwhelming. So it has to be a complete rig. And uh-huh. you have to be completely honest about your thoughts on it. And at the end, we're each going to rate the rig one out of 10. Uh, so number point number in uh, the unit of measure known as shoils. Hmm. And, Is that um, Yiddish? Uh, yeah. Well, no, it's, it's our... Uh, our, our two, it it's our, it's our brand. You know, like Acme is a brand. Uh huh. Zach and I have a brand called Shoyles, and it's a combination oh. of our two. Uh, cool, I like it. Our, our last names, yeah. Yeah, it's our okay. Megacorp name. That's nice. Looking cool. So, rig. what do we got here? Okay, here we go, and bam. Let's so, see. okay. Whoa. So this okay. is from Moyles, nineteen ninety nine. Moyles for the Shoyles. Moyles for the Shoyles, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Uh, he's a 23-year-old musician playing in Ireland, and uh, he's in a progressive rock band with ambient verses and heavy choruses. So what we've got here is we'll run through the, the pedal board first. We've got a Boss volume pedal into a uh, Ron Sound Ringomatic Fuzz, a Green Ringer style fuzz, JHS 3 Series Fuzz, a Sub and Up, uh, Marshall BB2 Bluesbreaker, a Way Huge Green Rhino, Stone Def PDF. Uh, Boss Tuner, Phase 45, JHS Chorus, MXR Carbon Copy, Walrus Audio Slu, how do you say that? Oh, the slow? Slu? 
<laughs> slow, slow, um, slow. An L cap and an iridium. He's got a Gretsch uh, electromatic semi hollow and then a, a parts caster that that he's made. And he runs that all into a Rocker 30. Uh, nice. Which look, for some reason, that Rocker 30 looks tiny to me. But, yeah, very, very small. But yeah, what, what do you guys think about this one? Okay, so start with the guitars. Initially, I thought that was a rosewood strap, but that's that's not. It's just like a walnut finish or something. Uh, it says uh, he built it himself. Yeah, it's probably some sort of stained finish. Okay, okay, cool. Um, I mean, a strat is a strat is a strat. Can't really go wrong there. I'm a huge fan of the electromatic Gretsch stuff, though. Mm-hmm. I still think those are some of the most undersung sort of import guitars that are out there. Every budget Gretsch that I've played in their electromatic line, and now they call it something else, right? It's like, um, I think they got rid of the electromatic name. Yeah, I think they just have like some weird... Like the Streamliner series, I think it is. They're more complicated abbreviations of stuff. Dude, they're fantastic. They're really, really good for like three to $500 semi-hollow, and, and those those are not Filtertrons in there. They're humbuckers. So you can swap those out for PAFs or or anything that you would fit I think, in a humbucker. I think route. this one has a Filtertron style pickup. Um, right, but uh, the point is, it's not a Filtertron size. Like if you look at so speaking, I of, think these here's are. I prepared earlier. No, but oh. see how like th- those are narrower. Those are thinner. Yeah, they're called a black well, top. I think that's a Filtertron size. I'll, exactly. I'll I'll go to bat on this one. Let me. Listen. But a Filtertron is also a humbucker red. Did you know that? Yeah, but it's it's, a, it's a, the size is different. I know construction wise, they are technically a humbucker, but you can't take a PAF and put it in a Gretsch. Is my point, right? Except for the import stuff, where you can because it is a normal humbucker size. On some of them, but now a lot of them oh, aren't. Jesus I'm telling you, See what I'm we were right. Talking about Mark, I'm right. Mom and dad are fighting. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, point is, I'm a huge fan of the Gretsch. That's that's sick. What do you guys think, uh, Mark? Go ahead. Yeah. I, I mean, he said he plays progressive metal or progressive rock or something Just like that. Just progressive rock. Progressive. Uh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that's what's neat about that genre is you can probably use whatever gear you want and sure. make whatever crazy sounds you want and it and it works. Um, yeah. I'm trying to think. Uh, I love the carbon copy. I, I got one of those. Um, is that an MXR phase? Phaser, you said? Phase 45, yeah. Those are great. Um, the subbing up's real cool. Uh, it looks like he's got... A, all kinds of fun little toys there. I, I'm, I'm wondering what he uses the Strymon at the, at the Iridium thing at the end there. Yeah. He's already got an amp, but I, right. I only, I only know of them as like, if you, if you don't have an amp, you use one. So maybe he's using it for something else. What? He said, he actually, he said he's using it for a wet dry setup. So he might be like sending it to front uh, house. Oh, like or sending front house. That's, That's cool. cool. That's real yeah. creative. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can also, you can also bypass the cab modeling, the IRs and that, and use it as a, like a preamp overdrive, cool. which is really cool. Or like a boost or something. Shows you how much yeah. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is a great little rig. I mean, you know, maybe a bigger amp or something, but maybe yeah. not. <laughs> what's the, Zach, what's the PDF? I don't know that pedal. Oh, so that's from Stone Def. Um, I think they're in the UK and it's like, um, I think it's a sort of like parametric, filter thing that you can oh, cool. kind of like oh, cool. focus in the mid range. It might have some gain to it. Um, but yeah, they made some, they make some really cool. Um, let's see if I can find it. They make some really cool uh, pedals. Uh, yeah. It looks really interesting. 
Um, so for me, okay, my, my first sort of note here is on the pedal board. I think we got a really nice selection of stuff. I like the two different fuzzes. I like the sub and up. I don't think we've seen a sub and up on the, on the show before. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but I think with this many pedals, we need to start thinking about some kind of buffer situation and, or some kind of loop switcher situation, because this, I imagine based off of the type of music that he's playing, it's uh, quite a, quite a tap dance fest going on. I'm going to say maybe a buffer. Yeah. And maybe yeah. the Iridium has a buffer in it, but I'm going to say, don't worry about the MIDI switcher. And ah. here's why I'm going to guess that this gentleman likes to, to, make different combinations of stuff on the fly on the gig. If he, if, if I have any idea of maybe kind of the sounds he's going for, cause this is the reason why I've never gotten a MIDI switcher because I don't no, want to yeah, be stuck in presets. No, no, no. But yeah, I agree. But so, most MIDI switchers now, like, so I would recommend, so I've had the boss RV five on my main board for a long time that I used to tour with, and you can use it in either preset mode or in like just normal loop oh, mode but what's okay. cool is that you can switch the order of the pedals internally hmm. in the switcher oh, the rjm switcher does the same thing um it's much smaller and the reason i'm suggesting the switcher is primarily for a tone thing like hmm. i'm imagining some of these pedals probably have a buffer like the, the tu3 as a buffer um but i think just getting the stuff out of the signal path that you're not actually using and only bringing it in when you need to is really going to help out a lot. Um, Fair point. Again, yeah. and how much I know. <laughs> and having experiences firsthand when a when a patch cable goes down on a gig on this board, it's going to be catastrophic. Yeah, but how would that be easier if you had a switcher with all them cables? Because going if it's not, you just you just cut you just the loop it and it it just. Yeah, but takes how do you know which system. one it is? You you just hit the buttons until, until you find the one that's not passing signal and you're oh, done. Okay. Mm. been there done that my friend wow. it's uh yeah okay. um the amp is interesting to me too it's like i i feel like maybe maybe we need something a little a little bigger here yeah maybe. yeah maybe something just a little more clean headroom or something if he's running all those dirt pedals into it yeah uh, <laughs> but who knows this is hard to do i've never heard his band i've never heard him play i'm just like you know you don't need to worry about any of that man just, yes you do <laughs> we are musicians first my friend <laughs> anyway. um, zach what would you what would you point him towards maybe for uh the rocker 30 i've never played a rocker 30 but what would you think of suggesting otherwise uh, man like i like the rocker 30 okay i'm not a huge fan of the gain channel on that amp so i mean like if you want to stay with the orange uh, i would go like an 80 30 and get like yeah maybe a head in the two by 12 cap, but this, you know, that's, I don't know. Mark's right. It's hard to know without hearing. Um, I bet if he does like the orange sound, yeah. Like the rocker verb heads or the rocker verb fifties or whatever with the, with the big cabinet, like that might be mm -hmm. a fun, you know, you just yeah. see orange tone just more. <laughs> yeah. Or, or maybe, maybe if, if he likes the amp, just get a cab, just get an extension cab. Cause I, I feel like what's the bottleneck here that I'm seeing other than the pedal board is just the 112 system. I think right. if you had like a 212 cab or just another 112 extension cab to run it through, you'd be right in the pocket. Is he the only guitar player in his band? Do we know that? Ooh, that's a good question. What did he say? He does not oh, say. The instrumentation of the band. See, I'm asking. But he's, he's also only been playing guitar for about six years. So I think for six years. That's in, a great rig. Yeah. Great he, rig. Man, yeah, my a, rig yeah. after six years. <laughs> 
There wasn't a rig. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Say, I had a wah pedal, and that was it. Right. And a, a solid-state Vox. An Ibanez classic metal distortion. What else did <laughs> yeah, I have? Man. I think I had a DS1, though, after six years. Maybe. Hey, that's a great pedal. DS1 still holds up, you know? I was 18, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I had a DS. I had an old Boss Chorus. I had a yep. um, an old Boss Delay. It was like a the delay slash pitch shifter, but the pitch shifting side didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a Crybaby so Wah. Yeah. I think I had a, phase, a Boss Phaser. And then I had a Bandit PV Bandit 112 amp. I think was hell yeah, was rocking, so, man, and like two guitars. I think. I think one last thing I'll say about the Gretsch. I think that double cut Gretsch shape is one of the best looking guitars that's ever been made. Solid. Every iteration they do of it, like a White Falcon or a Black Falcon or or the Electromatic, it's just a beautiful shape, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love right. the colors of the guitars too. The green, yeah, it's so nice. Yeah, and I respect the fact that. He said that was a parts caster that he built, right? The strap? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Here's the deal. Okay. I like the guitar setup. I think they complement each other really well. It shows good taste and ingenuity. I'm going to build my own strat. That's cool. I like the pedal board. I like the selection of the pedals. I think we need to think about some kind of solution on, on the interfacing side. Uh, and then we need to work on the amp a little bit. But I think I'm going to give this 7.5 six shoils okay okay yeah i think i agree i think bigger amp um i would probably i mean if you're going to use that rocker verb and you have all that gain maybe ditch an overdrive or something and like get something else weird in there so you can really experiment if that's like part of the vibe um yeah i think i'm going to give it a solid eight it's a cool rig yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to give it an eight too, I think. Yeah, I think the only thing I would change is maybe just, I would just like to hear him with a bigger amp. Yeah. I want to hear him play anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but uh, yeah, I think maybe something that might give him a little bit more headroom for the dirt pedals. If if that's the thing. If not, you know, hey man, if people are coming to see your band, who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, who- <laughs> I do have I do have a pedal recommendation for Moyles that I think he might dig, and that would be the uh, GFI Synesthesia. I've been using oh, that. Yeah. That's one of my favorite pedals because you can it's a dual modulation, so and you can stack modulations in really weird, interesting ways. Mm-hmm. And it seems cool. like what he said, ambient verses and heavy choruses, right? Yeah. I think I think the Synesthesia would work well for that that setup. You know, I yeah. think I'm I'm putting myself in in in. Uh in his shoes, you know, after playing like six years, I think the amp was like the last thing that I was uh-huh. kind of financially able to upgrade. Yeah. So I, I can relate, you know, I mean, I was dragging the, I think I got a, a Fender DeVille, I think was what I graduated to after that and lugged that thing to a bajillion gigs. So well, I, amps, I, I get it. amps yeah. are also kind of a difficult thing to wrap your head around when you're just starting out. Like right. I remember trying to figure out what my first amp, should be like my first real amp should be and it was a year for me of like going down to atlanta discount music and talking to jimmy and the guys down there and playing everything and i i went from thinking that i needed a mesa triple rectifier (laughs) was my first option which and then i went to like just a fender deluxe which would have been a great option i had no idea man because there's so many they're all different they all seem to do different things it's like what do you need what do you not need so yeah, yeah, I get it on the amp thing. It's, it's like a, well, it's a it seems like he's a he's a pedal platform 
type of player, right? right? So yeah, that's right. why I think we were just saying maybe something with a little more headroom uh, to make sure those pedals are really speaking the way you want them to. Man, so, I think a Vox like maybe an AC, a really good AC fifteen or an AC an AC thirty would, depending on the gigs that they're playing, would be cool. But they're really heavy though, they're yeah. so heavy. AC fifteen is kind of right in the slot, I think. AC fifteen kind of dirts up a little bit though. The louder yeah. you get. Yeah, but you can keep the headroom low enough, or you can keep the volume low enough to keep the headroom up and then just mic it up on the gig. I mean, depending on what where they're playing, they probably have to keep their stage volume at a certain level anyways. So. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah, I mean, after six years, I wasn't playing any place that was going to mic anything. So, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Garages. Um, so, Mark, speaking of amps, I see you got some of the PRS things behind you. What, what are you playing right now? Uh, just about everything you see back here, actually. Mm-hmm. These all get get used um yeah the the little well not that little but the prs sort of stack uh is the hendrix 20 and the hendrix 50 and then the hendrix uh 212 cabinet um and i've been using those quite a bit on the road they're really great again pedal pedal platform type amps yeah. they're they're uh kind of designed to be played a couple different ways like the the 20 has the master volume so you can get that amp 60s kind of martial gain sound out of it um i just turn the master all the way up and then goose in the the treble and the bass volume to keep it clean mm-hmm. and then hit the front end with the pedals uh and then the 50 doesn't have a master volume so it's got a much bigger sound but it's also very very loud um, yeah. so i gotta sometimes i'll run it through an attenuator but most of the time i just keep it turned down pretty low um but yeah i mean the super is a great rig that's a statesman i've done a million gigs on that one too um there's a couple things to the side here that you can't see. There's a, a Naylor Dual 60, which is one of my all-time favorite amps. Um, there's a Pure 64 Mean Street, which is another one of my all-time favorite amps. Great yeah. recording amp. Um, but everything is sort of a similar character of like big, loud, clean sound. Yeah. Uh, because I've, I've always been a gain pedal stacking individual because I just, I, like he's like, you know, like Rhett was saying, it's like, what amp do I get? Well, like the multi-channel Marshall stuff was way out of my reach you know, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was Fair. crafting my sound as a young, as a young player. So, um, you know, and I, and I like having, uh, the, the tone sculpting ability of using pedals and, and just from a practical standpoint, so many of the gigs that I do are backlined, you know, we, mm-hmm. if yep. I fly my, my mm-hmm. quartet to Europe, a lot of times we're relying on what the venue can supply and if they don't have the five channel super awesome unicorn distortion rig or whatever, like give me a Fender Twin, let's plug in, let's rock, let's yep. rock, you know. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I've just sort of always fell into that that world. But uh, these amps all sound really, really great. So, do you ever find yourself in a situation where you're using amp distortion over a pedal, like in the studio, or mm. you're just always going like with your you know it works. It ain't broke. Kind well, of thing. It, mostly if it ain't broke, I don't fix it, you know, but the nailer has a really nice drive channel. That's the one amp in here that really kind of has a dedicated gain channel more than the others. Um, yeah. And I will use that for like certain rhythm tracks on occasion, but it also takes pedal really great. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a tendency to just leave it on the clean channel. Um, I just got this kind of funky uh, Fender concert amp from the early eighties. That's, that's the Paul Rivera. Uh-huh. Version, yeah, Rivera uh, era. which is a really neat it's like a big deluxe mm-hmm. yeah. um and it's got a gain channel which is kind of like a kind of i'm trying to think how to describe it um 
Yeah, I don't know. That, that's sort of like almost, late. Right? Yeah, huh? They're kind of like boogie esque in a way. Maybe. Yeah, it's sort of that like late seventies kind of mid gain lead sound that you might hear on pop radio, you know, like a Boz Skaggs record or something like that. Which I think was all those guys just turning their deluxes all the way up or something, right? Well, yeah. You so know the scoop better than me, but well, I've talked to Tim Pierce about this a lot, and okay. people people still sleep on that Rivera era Fender stuff Mm -hmm. because I think it's people still don't really know what it is exactly. And they're really sleeper amps, man. The, um, the champ, I think it's the champ two, right? Zach Mm -hmm. was like the Paul Rivera and has the gain circuit in it. That as far as I understand, I believe that's the, the Larry Carlton kid Charlemagne solo is that amp as Mm -hmm. far as I understand. Um, and but yeah, I was like talking to Tim about this stuff, you know, back in the day, the guys would it was like, OK, Vox, Marshall or Fender. And most of what they were using was a deluxe that they just cranked for lead sounds and turned down for clean sounds. And, mm-hmm. and that was it. And it wasn't until, you know, the as as Tim states, the arms race of the 80s where everyone <laughs> was building rack, mm. you know, systems and everything that that started to change. But yeah, man, I mean, I I think. If you're looking for something cool that's a little bit classic sort of vintage era, this little off the beaten path that sounds great but is not a ton of money, like a vintage AC30 or a, an original black panel deluxe or something, that Rivera era Fender stuff is super cool. They're hard yeah. to find, and they're getting more expensive. Yeah, people uh, are starting to catch on. Yeah, I, I bought mine off on Craigslist uh, from a guy in Austin that mm. was just offloading some gear, and uh, I paid under a grand for it, but um yeah but that's good you know, it's like yeah. that's good but you know i'm sure the more pristine one i think this doesn't have it had a mesa speaker in it or something so maybe that was part of the reason but but as far as the functionality and the sound it sounds sounds really nice so yeah man mark because you like you do so much like you do you know normal standard tuning style stuff and mm-hmm. then all the baritone stuff when you're like choosing an amp do you do, do you like have something that's specific for baritone or do you kind of just mm. find something that works for everything and then to use that as just like your base um, yeah. amplifier sound? Uh, I don't do different amps for baritone. Um, th- the only thing that I will do uh, is on my pedal board, um, mm. depending on which board I'm bringing, because I have different size ones based on the, what I'm able to bring essentially. Um, will in, I will either incorporate some kind of volume control or like a compressor, which will just attenuate the volume a little bit uh and it's really just more so the front of house guy doesn't have to you know mess with everybody's mixes it doesn't mess with my mix um so like for example uh you can't really see him but there's a board over here that has a tc electronics plethora x5 Mm -hmm. oh yeah really cool little device and i have a Mm -hmm. scene just for the baritone stuff that has the the hyper gravity compressor on it which doesn't change the tone. It doesn't even really add any compression. That's the way I have it set. It just lowers the signal. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I do the exact same thing on the, another board that I have with the Line 6 M5 mm-hmm. that has a little patch in there called Volume. <laughs> <laughs> I just bump it back like a couple dB. I don't change the tone. I don't change any of that stuff because if the point of the baritone is I don't want it to sound like the other guitar. I want it to sound like a baritone, you know? Yeah. So right. I'm not EQing lows out or if anything at all, maybe I'll boost a little bit of highs. Okay. But I have kind of a bright sound anyway, so I don't really mess with that. Um, bright sound just 
internally, I guess, if I don't mean mm-hmm. to be all touchy feely, esoteric tone guy or whatever, but <laughs> some people sound bright, some people sound dark, some people sound loud, some people sound quiet. Um, so anyway, this is the place to get esoteric. Okay. Yeah. This is the yeah. podcast. Well, I, this I've is said that I've, I've said that before that I had bright hands and some guy with on YouTube was like, the hell does that even mean? Like, Oh dude, like, well, you need to listen a little don't harder. Worry about, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> to yourself. Uh, um, so anyway, I, I don't EQ the guitars much. Um, occasionally I might like lower the pickups on the baritone just a hair, just to get a little bit more air and less okay. of the immediate punch right yeah um one of the baritones i tour with is a is a prs which i put these lawler uh they're like humbucker sized p90s Mm, they sound really great but they're pretty loud so i lowered them a little bit just to kind of even it all out still sounds like a baritone still feels like a baritone but you get a little bit more air in there um because it's kind of a darker sounding guitar uh Mm -hmm. it's like a set neck mahogany body which which isn't really the baritone thing that i normally do i usually play like a uh uh, bolt on neck kind of thing, you know, for that real extra spank. But the baritones that I have that are that are too long to fit in the case that I tour with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yep. it's all, yeah, it's all part of the man touring. People don't realize it's like, why don't you just bring all your guitars? Well, like, no, cause I can't, cause I'm trying to fit it in the overhead compartment. You know, I got two guitars. Come on. It is a real thing. It's like you, you, you talk about like being on the road or whatever and having different size pedal boards for different situations. It's like, yeah, people think, well, why didn't you ring this or why didn't you just use this? It's like, yeah. well, because I have to schlep all this right. shit through the airport. I should and show you that I, stuff's heavy. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I should get up off camera or whatever. Yeah, go ahead. Whatever you want. All right, give me a second. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So this is this is the board that I do the majority of the travel dates with. It's missing a pedal because I put it on another board. But yeah, this is the plethora. You know, we got the, the Phase 95, the, the Overdrives from Rocket, the Melody, the Dude, the Monterey, which is a really great kind of multi-effect. Yeah. And then this does all the delays and verbs and stuff like that. Volume pedal. But this fits in a laptop, rolling laptop bag oh. that I can put underneath the seat in front of me. So then when I get on the plane, they go, well, where is this all going to go? And I was like, well, the guitar is going to go on the overhead, assuming mm-hmm. there's space, I'm boarding early, so there should be. And this is going to go under the seat. And nine times out of ten, they're like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you found um, – are there airlines that you prefer to fly or not fly based <laughs> off of gear? <laughs> Great question. Um, I generally fly American. They've been most of the time good to, to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I've only had one instance where I had an acoustic guitar get damaged, but it was kind of my fault because I just put it in one of those, you know, standard, excuse me, I don't even know what the material is, but you know, the, the standard acoustic guitar case, it's like that black woven stuff, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the neck, the headstock snapped, but the headstock had been snapped previously. It was repaired and then it snapped again. I've checked that same guitar in, uh, hard shell SKB cases and never had any issues with it. And then yeah. one other time I checked, I think I was flying Emirates and I checked uh, two guitars in a double Enki uh, hard case yep. and it did not make it in time for the gig. So I had to borrow some guitars from people at the festival. Oh, <laughs> man. Very kind. Um, thank you. If you're watching. Uh, and then when I got back to the hotel, the guitars were there. So yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, and I've gate checked guitars countless times, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens. I've never had anything break one time out of hundreds. Uh, th- it just didn't make it on the flight and it made it on the second flight. Somebody yeah. just forgot to put it on the plane. Right. Yeah. Um, I generally have, there's generally space in the overhead if you board early. Southwest is also, has been very kind to me mm-hmm. and my band uh, with instruments. Their overheads are huge. Yeah. So if you can, you know, if you spring the extra 15 bucks or whatever to get early bird check and you board with group A, you're cool. But even I've boarded with group C and still had room for my guitar. Yeah. Um, I have found. I also have another said American. Finish. Well, I was going to say I have the opposite experience. So when I was touring a lot more before the pandemic hit, I was flying basically every other yeah, every week. week right. And. I got to the point where I had enough bad experiences with United and American that I told the tour manager and, and the artist manager, like, please do not book me on mm. United or American because there was, <laughs> I just had too many bad experiences. It's so and funny. Yeah. Well, my, my hack is, so most of the time I fly Delta, I live in Atlanta, so it's the Delta hub and everything. Right. Uh, this is obviously not sponsored or anything, but not um, yet. Not yet. <laughs> Hit me up with them sky miles, though. Dude, talk. <laughs> change, your um, life. change your life. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm flying to Europe next week. So it's like, or actually in a few days. But yeah, so my hack is like, especially with Delta, I walk up with my guitar and it's worked, I would say, n- legitimately 95% of the time. I talk to the gate agent and I just say, hey, you know, um, I understand if this is not possible. I just want to see if there's any way I could board early. I have an instrument with me and just be super nice and super cordial and nine times out of 10, that gate agent will say, yeah, board with like early boarding or first class or whatever. And then you can can uh, get on. But have you ever gotten to the point where you're like looking at the type of plane oh, well, that you are on to see what your overhead situation is like to say? I have yeah. <laughs> I have a, I have in my notes on my phone a, a, a lineup of the different aircraft types and the bins and the corresponding seats <laughs> yeah, where, man. The, where the guitars will fit. Yeah. And you know, in American, they generally fly like Airbus 380s or 321s. Yep. Yep. The seats between, I, I could look it up, but I'll try to do it from memory. Uh, I think it's like the seats between eight and eight to 14 or something like that on a 321 are too small to uh-huh. fit your guitar. Uh, some of them yeah. are like the, they have like the emergency equipment in them or they're just angled weird. But if you're, if you're between 12 and you know, four, 30 or whatever, it'll fit. Yep. Uh, and so I've, I, <laughs> yeah, I definitely always look after I get the ticket, you know, where am I? And then if I can pick my seat, I do that, you know? Um, but, yeah, man, but this is the kind of hard hitting, uh, journal advice. investigative journalism. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Cool. The, the pro pro level yeah. advice, you're but not going to get on. But you know, I podcast. really have not, aside for that one time where they forgot to put the guitar on the plane, I've never had an issue gate checking a guitar. I'm knocking on my wooden desk here, <laughs> right? but, um, and sometimes, you know, if you've even volunteered to do it, mm-hmm. they're like so nice to you. Or sometimes yeah. they even say, Oh, don't worry about it. You know, it'll fit, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, if or you a get a closet, yeah, yeah. the co- well, the coat closet thing is like because that's technically their stuff. Sure, that closet is for the flight crew. So like, you know, come on, man, <laughs> you, you well, can't really argue like, the coat closet thing. But well, I don't argue, but I always ask. Yeah, yeah. no, I, and, and I don't mean argue, just, but like, uh, they yeah, can yeah, totally be like, like, no, dude, that's for my stuff, and you're like, cool. <laughs> yeah, and and here's the thing, don't don't 
argue about it. Like if if you someone says no, if the gate agent says no, or the the flight attendant or whoever is like, no, we don't have room. Don't turn around and be like, well, this is a this is a yeah. four thousand dollar less. Paul, don't, and, and don't pull out the paper about the law. Yeah, don't, they don't care yeah, just, about that. Nobody yeah, read that. You didn't read fine. that. <laughs> Here's here's the thing. Do your here's due diligence thing. and get a good case. I use exactly, the I use, I, exactly. I use the mono double case if I'm flying Same. with a certain guitar. I use the Reunion Blues double case. It's fun. Corey Wong, a good buddy of mine, checks his Strat in a mono case. Checks it like yeah. gives it to the ticket counter. Yep, yep. <laughs> it, dude. It I've probably is going to be okay. Stuff. I wouldn't recommend doing that, but <laughs> you know, I yeah. It's it's really about invest in a good case. Mono reunion blues. Yeah, I really like uh, a good company. Carlton. Anky. Yeah. I have done um I'm not gonna use it on this run, but when I first started going overseas, I would I bought a Pelican rifle case. Oh, that's like one cool. of the big yeah, the Pelican like, rifle case cases. Is awesome. Yeah, and so with that, it's like it fits one of my novos, which are big guitars. Mm-hmm. They're like long and wide, and it fits my pedal board and all my wow. stuff. So my entire rig goes in the one Pelican rifle case, and I just check it yeah. and send it. It's yeah, awesome. I mean the only the only bummer about checking is just, yeah in the event that you fly to dubai and your guitars don't make the gig i that's yeah. you can do nothing about that but like yeah yeah i think everything we've spoken of about getting your guitar on the plane it's yeah it's 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 it can be a very seamless painless process you yeah know? just don't be a just dick. don't be a jerk and buy a nice case yeah buy a good case and don't be a jerk mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so are you mostly anyway. playing your fiore when you're doing the traveling and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's been awesome. An awesome road guitar. Yeah. You know, and they're, they're built really sturdy. So if I gate check it, I'm okay. You know, and even, it even has an angled headstock in which most people, Oh God, don't, but nah, it's fine. You know? Right. Yeah. The angles though is not as severe as like a no, Les Paul. No, angle. It's way, like a, yeah. And it's, it's um dovetailed or whatever you scarfed. I don't know the yeah. scarf joint I think is the word. So it's, it's mm-hmm. nice and strong. That's awesome. Yeah. Man. Okay. So back, I'm I'm interested in your um in your your approach to sound and and tone. So you're primarily a clean pedal p- platform player. So what do you look for in your your dirt? Mm. So your overdrive and your distortion. So what are you using most of the time? I saw the J Rocket. Yeah. Um. But like just general sort of sound scape. Are you are you a tube screamer guy, blues breaker guy, a combination of the two? What are you looking for? Well, the J Rocket stuff has been almost my exclusive dirt sound for ten years. Um, I've used just about every pedal they've ever made at some point. Um, the ones that I've been using are like the Melody, which is an overdrive that I designed uh, with them, um, and then I use the Dude pedal quite a bit another one called the HRM. Um, and the, the HRM and the dude are stumble based, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> right. right. No, I mean, they are, but like, I've never played a Dumble overdrive special, so I don't know, but they sound good. The yeah. Pedals. Uh, and then the melody is kind of based on their blue note slash majestic circuit. Um, cool. And what I love about their pedals is, there's plenty of gain if you need it. The tone, the tone is very sculptable, but they just feel really good. Mm, There's yeah. like a mm-hmm. element of, I don't know if it's like a compression thing or something, but they just feel good to play. Uh, and you know, tone wise, they're not, uh, there's nothing right off the bat that hits you as like, Oh, that's a frequency I don't like. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. a lot of pedals, um, 
lately or whatever, I guess everyone's real back into the Klon sound or something. I'm not mm-hmm. a Klon player at all. So if I step on something that's just like mid range, I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to put it away. Um, right. And I like the J. I mean, of course the J rocket makes the archer, right? That's the irony right. of this story, but I don't use it. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Uh, their other pedals are, you know, like they've had some stuff that sort of like nobles ODR one influence, right. uh, which is a great sound, which is that nice kind of writ- I hate using all these silly buzzwords about tone, but you, that's you how know. people understand I what you're talking about. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's, it's a very rich full sound and the high end is always really pleasing. It doesn't have that spiky thing and the mid range mm-hmm. is always very controllable. Um, right. Nothing is really baked into the pedal. If that right. makes sense. Like there's no tone. That's like, this is how you're going to sound. Good luck. You know? right. <laughs> I don't yeah, like yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. So um, I've always been using their pedals and, and, and I, I like to stack them a lot. Um, a big part of my lead sound, for example, is like the dude. And then I'll hit the dude with the melody or something and, and get this big high gain kind of thing. Um, a lot of times and when you're stacking them, are you, are, are they gain level wise is one set to like a lighter gain mm-hmm. boost yeah. and one. Yeah. Medium so the, gain? yeah. So like the, the, uh, the dude is set kind of medium ish. Like if I'm, if we're looking at knobs, you know, <laughs> it's like maybe like two o'clock for the dude. Uh, yeah. and then the melody is maybe like noon mm-hmm. on the gain level and it's, it's pretty gainy. Uh, you know, but, but it gets good sustain. And another thing that it's great about like the melody, for example, is you can hit the front of it with a fuzz of any sort and it sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'll do that for lead tones all the time. Um, so I, I think the, the thing you said about like feel on a pedal is something that not all, like you're right. Not all pedal companies do that. And that's, you know, when I'm working on stuff myself, if it doesn't feel right, you know, I like even if it's a crazy fuzz or, or, you know, an, an overdrive that would drastically shift your, you know, amp sound, you don't want it to feel like you're changing amps or rigs entirely. You mm-hmm. want it to stay the same under your fingers. And that's something that I don't think a lot of people get until they really spend a lot of time focusing on the playing of the guitar mm-hmm. and not worried so much about like what pedals they're using. Right, and trying to right. get sounds. And so I think that's, that's an interesting point that you bring up because like, I think most people, but not most people, but I think people sometimes get just in the weeds with well, the tonality of stuff and not the feel of it. It's funny because it's like, we all love gear. We love to play the gear. We love to design the gear and hear the gear. But like at the end of the day, we don't want to notice the gear. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when I pick up a guitar and play a gig, I'm not thinking about gear. Yeah. I'm not thinking, I'm not even really thinking, I mean, I'm thinking kind of about sounds, right? Like, yeah, oh, delay level's too high or something, or like, oh, this is a little gain, whatever. Those sort of like fine tuning things that you go through mentally while you're performing. But I'm thinking about the band, I'm thinking about the music, yep. I'm thinking about the audience, I'm thinking about Wes is playing this groove, I'm going to play off this. I'm not, I don't even care what the guitar sounds like at that point. <laughs> right. You know, it's just funny that we, we, collect all this stuff and design all this stuff so that we don't notice it. You know, if I have a piece of gear that I love, I'm not thinking about it. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, it's like, it just lets you do what you want to do. You know, it helps you. Yeah. Your your rig has, has done its job, which has sort of gotten your sound out of the speakers. And then it's getting out of the way. The only time 
you might notice your gear is when you sound like shit <laughs> and you're noticing and yeah, you right. feel bad. You're like, I, this doesn't sound good. And right. then you, you don't play well or, or as well yeah. as you could. Yeah, you know? that's very true. Yeah, if, you know, you're playing an unfamiliar guitar through an unfamiliar amp or pedal or something, and 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 yeah, you you are focusing on getting a usable sound for yourself rather than playing music. Yeah. And so yeah, when you're making gear choices, make sure that you're getting the stuff that you don't even have to think about while you're playing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. So with your different groups, are you changing your sound at all, or is it more like? Nope. This is Mark Letieri. <laughs> this is how I sound, and I'm I'm bringing my sound and my approach into this sure. group. It's both. Um, you know, with my band, I I can you know I write the tunes. I can kind of do what I want. But but even then, uh, I'm still conscious of everyone else's sounds. How my sound is fitting in with their sound. You know, for example, half of my set now is baritone based music. So if I'm gonna, right. I need to make sure to leave the bass player the ability to do his job. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so that kind of stuff, I am conscious about it. I, I know in my head where I need to be tone wise and sound wise and what speaks to me, but I, it's also a very flexible canvas that I will change for my own stuff. Definitely for snarky puppy. Um, because oftentimes I'm covering parts that weren't recorded by me. So I have to yeah. have a, a different sound that I might not internally want to use. Um, in the fearless flyers, I'm, playing baritone 99% of the gig. Uh, and I'm kind of can do whatever there, you know, but yeah. still, uh, certain stuff might not fit the aesthetic of the band, you know, like sure. big delays, big reverbs. If I do that, it's maybe because I'm taking a solo, but even then yeah. I don't want it to sound like a solo from a Mark Latiri gig. I want it to sound like a solo from a fearless flyers gig, which is going to have a slightly right. different, ambient texture to it sure and i got a solo on a baritone which is kind of like skiing uphill <laughs> so well you do it pretty well that's cool oh, i don't know if you really yeah. working it out yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're pretty good up skiing uphill i guess mm -hmm. then no. yeah that's that's cool man i mean i love talking about this stuff with with players that um like because it's important you, you i i have a, a theory that your sound and your tone is as important as what you play, sure. especially to the audience, because your average listener, your average person who's not a guitar player is listening to the ensemble and, and to the sound that's coming off the stage. And, you know, they might not be impressed with like what lick you played or what chord <laughs> voicing you right. used, but they know when something sounds good and when it doesn't sound good, right. even if they can't articulate it. And so I think as guitar players where we have the, we have so much at our disposal and, and so many opportunities. It's, it's kind of a big responsibility um, to sort of find your lane and stick to it, which I imagine in a group like snarky puppy is a, it's almost from my perspective, it's like you probably have a much narrower sonic space to fit in mm. just because there's more happening sure. on stage yeah. versus where, you know, your group, for example. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're absolutely right about kind of, yeah. Tailoring what you're presenting to the audience so that it fits the ensemble. Um, because yeah, at the end of the day, the person in the very back row, who's never heard you, that's the person you're playing to <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. the front row fans. I'm very thankful that they are there and I hope that they show up every night, but you know, they know what they're getting <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless, yeah, unless we have a really terrible night or something, <laughs> but, uh, and then, the, then that's what they get. But, um, you know, the people in the back, 
or maybe they're in the front and they've never heard you, but uh, you want to translate the musical experience to, yeah, pretend like it's a crowd of people that have no idea what they're about to experience. And um, with a band like Snarky Puppy, it's a lot to experience. Yeah. And if somebody comes and sees us and thinks we sound like chaos, because <laughs> <laughs> there's nine people on stage just being crazy, that's not good, you know? Uh, and the same thing yeah. goes for my band, which is a quartet, like, which is difficult because, yeah, we could go off the rails and do nine minute jazz odyssey. And, and, but people would be like, what are they doing? You know, right. <laughs> and everyone's turning on all the sounds and whatever. So you really got to kind of be conscious about, yeah, crafting your tone. So it's fitting the performance. So it's fitting who bought the ticket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. You know? Yeah. Well, dude, this is, uh, this has been great, cool, man. Thanks for hanging Absolutely. out. Absolutely, this was um, fun. March first, March March second. You are in New York, that's correct? At uh, the Iridium, uh, where the Iridium. Yeah. That's right. The house that Les built. That's right. I think this will this will be aired by then, right around yeah. there. Yeah. Cool. So this will be great. up by then. Yeah, so yeah, hang. if you're in the New York area, go catch Mark and his uh, and his band. And then in, any word on? Um, well, I guess you haven't recorded the new record yet, so there's nah, no. It'll be. I'll be piecing it together throughout the year. I think. So nice. it'll come. I, the idea is that it comes out in 2024 and get some touring behind it. Got Anything it. else that so, people uh, need to know that's coming out? Coming um, out? when is this airing? I'm trying. <laughs> uh, Monday. Monday. Oh, okay. Then I can talk yeah. about this. Um, I have a pedal coming out with Jackson Audio. Oh, hey, that nice. A, that is a chorus pedal, which oh, is okay. Really, really funky design that they've been working on and, and I've been helping them tweak and uh, it, it does a lot of really interesting things that that I haven't quite heard a chorus pedal do um, and it does all the normal stuff that you want a chorus pedal to do sure. and uh, so that'll that'll be coming out I think on Monday of next week nice yeah um, what, what so color is it is blue oh man I think are we are we legally obligated as people that chorus pedals have to be blue? Is that, I don't know what that is, but like, you're absolutely well, right. They're all blue. It's because of boss. All of them. It's boss. Yeah. Maybe so. We, I mean, yeah, it must mythos be. is working on a chorus and we're going to be getting our prototype in and the it's guys now we're thinking like, Oh, what color? It has to be blue. Like, hey, if shit, you want it to be blue, make it blue. blue. It's okay. Dude, somebody can dude. make a pedal board with all the blue choruses and turn them all on at once. You know? Yes. It'd be pretty awesome. God, it would all the phase cancellation. It would just like it would just mute your guitar. I oh, feel like let's try. There's only one way to find out, guys. It, is the That's the right. Jackson one going to be? Is it Bucker Brigade or is it digital? Do you know? Uh, oh gosh, I think it is digital. That's fine. Digital. This is, great. is the thing. Is you know about pedals and stuff like that. Is it the tech stuff? Kind of goes in one of my ears and out the other. And I just go, guys, this sounds good. Or guys, this doesn't sound good. Oh, we need to change the 3K on the Poltec and whatever. <laughs> whatever. Poltec's yeah, not even the independent. But uh, so, yeah, I believe it is digital. There's code involved. I remember okay. being there at, at Brad's place and he's got a gigantic screen with just like ones and zeros and dashes and dollar signs. And it's like the matrix. Hashtag or, you know, things. yeah, pound symbols yeah. and question marks and all this. And I'm like, that one. <laughs> yeah, the period. I think you need to move one space. That's it. Now it sounds good, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, But I'm stoked nice. for it, man. It's going to be a cool pedal. That's awesome. What's it called? The New Wave. Hey. Sweet. Yeah. I just can't play, wait to play a bunch of police riffs on that. You know? It's, yeah. We, well, we got a pretty, pretty cool demo coming out for it where uh, I got my band in and we actually like, I we play like a different groove for every preset and yeah. uh it's it's pretty great it sounds really cool 
So I'm Please. stoked for that. I can't wait to see it, man. Yeah, man. Awesome. Very excited. Well, dude, thanks for hanging out. Appreciate Thank you coming you, on. Fellas, absolutely. You're always welcome. Okay. And uh, we'll catch up real Sounds soon. Good. Man. Yeah, I guess I'll see you maybe at Sweetwater or something. Deerfest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, Mark is, uh, he's real salt of the earth. Yeah. Dude. You know? That's a, that's a weird phrase, isn't it? Salt of the earth? Yeah, I mean, like, when you think about it, you describe Sounds oddly biblical. A person that you, you know, you relate them to salt. But salt. whatever. But he is. He's a sweet Are we guy. literally relating him to salt, though? I don't know if that's what that means. Is that what that's saying? Like, Just, like uh, you know, I don't know. We're going to have to look this up. <laughs> I, right, I derailed or right thought. Um, okay. But he, yeah, what a nice guy. Uh, I, I like his approach talking about um, choosing things that feel right to me is like that really connects with me because that's how I design stuff. And when I choose to buy things, that's what I'm looking for. I want it to feel like it's not there, even if it's making some crazy sound. A very good and honest person or group of people. Okay. That's all, that's all I could find. I sure. Merriam-Webster is not giving me the, the origin. Anyways, yeah. I, I like his approach too to like he's he's like a real working player approach that's that's kind of how i i perceive it which is like okay here's my sound and then i'm going to take this and make it fit whatever situation that i find myself in i uh mm-hmm. i really resonate with that and yeah. you know it's obviously working out quite well for him so um cool yeah all right well shills we're we gonna shills chill? yes all right you, you want to go, go first? first no do you want to go first <laughs> i'll go first okay you so go first. i recently um i've been like looking for some stuff just like some classic things again. You know, you like – you get those things in the back of mm-hmm. your mind. You're like, you remember that that ad you used to see in the back of like guitar magazines that would have overdrives and stuff? And so I was thinking about this guy, oh. the Blackstone MOSFET overdrive, which is like – I feel like you used to see this in every – like it was in the back of every magazine. There's a little ad for this thing. But it's a MOSFET drive that also has like the chip uh, 4049, which is like kind of similar to what – is in a red llama or something. So it's a real Mm -hmm. kind of like aggressive and raw sound, but this thing, uh, it has a bypass switch and then you can switch between two channels and all the, see if I can, all those little silver discs there, those are the pots. Oh yeah. So you just kind of set it and forget it, which I really appreciate, but this thing sounds awesome. It's just, it's like an extension of your amp. Really cool, really cool pedal. And you can put a battery inside it. It's like, I don't know how this guy fits all this, stuff inside yeah, that's this tiny weird. box yeah super cool that's cool i actually have never seen that pedal before you've I, never seen I, this no I, I never really did the guitar magazine thing you know i guess you're probably at the very end of the people who yeah, have I'm, been like because for me it was like going you go to the grocery store you know every you know month or whatever and you look and you get everything you could because that's the only way you could find out about dude, stuff i would do that but my my version was not guitar magazines it was the dupont registry do you ever see that the it what was basically just like a classified ad for a bunch of like really expensive supercars and as a kid oh. i would just get the dupont registry and just look at pictures of like dupont cars. paint like yeah DuPont? but it's not it's i don't think it's affiliated with the chemical company but oh, okay. yeah dupont registry man i uh yeah i would just look at the prices of ferraris and and like shelby cobras and stuff just because i was interested in it and yeah that was my, I didn't have any interest in guitar at that time when I was buying magazines. And then by the time I came around to playing guitar, it was like the magazine thing was kind of like 
was it over? It was just by that time I was already on the internet looking up and looking stuff up, you know? Right. Um, nice. So w- what you got? Okay. Well, like I said, I'm traveling to Europe for a small uh, short run of shows and I needed to put together a new pedal board because Uh-oh. since the pandemic, like my main touring board has kind of fallen by the wayside and I've taken it all apart and everything. And then the board that I have that Mason built for me a few years ago is a studio board and I need something that will let me travel light and fast and it needs to be live show ready so this week i built a new pedal board um and i'm actually pretty stoked on how this thing came out Uh, looks good it looks really good and it sounds really good so um i wanted to try the temple audio pedal boards i Mm -hmm. have seen a lot of people play these and use them and i was curious because you know they use that grid system with their quick release things, which is how I have basically all of these attached. So it's like an adhesive pad that you stick on the back of the pedals and then it goes into the, uh, let's see if I can get this on camera, it's the slots in the back and it's held mm-hmm. on with these thumb screws. Thumb screws yeah. um, and then the chalks power supplies, I really like that the chalks power supplies are machined to bolt into this system. So mm-hmm. they're using like actual machine screws to attach the power supplies to the board, super solid. And then, I have some of their like IO modules on the side here. So there's a, a stereo DI for the HX stomp out and then the input and output module. So what's cool about this is I can pretty easily swap this board around and change it for different setups. Like I could do a four cable method pretty easily with this. I could take the HX stomp off and put another few pedals on the bottom. Um, it's pretty powerful i put the poly bebo on here because i'm trying to figure out how to learn this pedal or how to use this pedal it's it's kind of crazy it's a perfect <laughs> time to take it on a <laughs> and yeah, then man, figure out how fine. to use it yeah, yeah yeah it's fine <laughs> um so overall i like it it was really easy to put together i made a whole video about it which is up on my channel but i do have a few there's a few gripes i have with the temple audio board first uh, of all um the board flexes in the middle quite a bit mm-hmm. um and this is the small one. This is the 17. And so they sell this truss that you bolt in, which adds more feet in the middle of the board. And it it sort of makes it much more rigid. But it's an added thing that you have to buy on top of the board. And I feel like that needs to be included with the board because the fact that this thing flexes in the middle, I think is kind of a design flaw and they should fix that. Um, and then, see... Yeah, I mean, uh, oh, and then the other thing too is like you kind of have to commit to their mounting system yeah. if you're going to use those thumb screw, thumb screw things. So like the way I have these mounted to the board means that they're now not going to fit on like another board without peeling that pad off. So, right. but other than that, they're pretty sick. And then if you notice in the top left-hand corner, uh, oh my God, what what is that? Uh the Hephaestus special color custom run that's Look right at us. so uh yeah, when are we announcing this damn thing i don't know well, i guess today <laughs> technically yeah let's or, do it let's whenever it was i post on instagram yeah so we're doing a collaboration zach and i we're doing a short run of these custom color big box Hephaest- Hephaestus 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 yeah um we did this cool like gold powder coat and a special logo and everything. And um, yeah, it's one of those things when they're gone, they're gone. So we'll yeah. have these available real soon. I think when I get back from Europe is when we're going to post them up for sale. So early sure. March, they will be available. But um, yeah, I love the Hephaestus, man. The, the the first one I played, it was like, dude, 
this thing is one of my new favorite pedals. We should do something special. So. It's it's insane. Yeah. Well, big shout out and thanks to our our patrons over on yep. Patreon and all our subscribers, everybody that that helps support the show. Anything you do, any thumbs up, anything really helps get us in front of in front of people's eyes, which is yeah, very important. Yeah, we really appreciate the support. Leave a comment, leave a like, subscribe if you haven't done so already. Uh, if you're on the Apple Podcast app, you can leave us a review and a comment. That also helps the show reach new people. And um, yeah, look at us, man. We're kind of on 100 episodes, I think. That's right. And big thanks again to Sweetwater for sponsoring uh, this episode. Remember to go to sweetwater.com slash dipped in tone. Check out all the details on the giveaway. You can argue amongst yourselves about who has the better rig, even though we all know it's, it's not me. an argument. It's me. I mean, you're going to want to win. I mean, you, you'll be probably pretty happy if you win Zach's rig, but if you win my rig, I think you'll be like really stoked. So um, we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. All right, everyone. Well, I will. Uh, I'll see y'all in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. I'll miss you. I love you. Y'all have fun. Be safe. Make good choices. And uh, see you real soon. All right. Bye, everybody.